You hear that? You hear that? That's history in the making right there, man. That's history in the making. Thank you for joining us today on Namine Podcast. This is episode number one. History in the making. Episode number one. Title of today's episode is We Still Can't Breathe. Where Kilo and myself are going to be discussing policing in the community. Kilo, say what's up to the podcast heads. What up, though? This your boy Kilo coming from the Nami podcast. We're about to hit y'all with some real facts, some good shit. Just stay listed. Fair enough. The title of this episode, We Still Can't Breathe, is coming from the protesters who are still fighting for justice regarding the excessive and deadly force used on Eric Gardner. Rest in peace. Just two days ago, two days ago, the police officer who choked him out, murdered him five years ago, he was finally fired by the NYPD. His name was Daniel something another. So here we are. We about four hours north of New York City. We in Syracuse, New York. And for the last week, we've been following a story of about another police officer, a Syracuse City police officer named Brandon Hicks. And so I'm going to read real quick. This is Syracuse.com little quip on YouTube where it talks about Officer Brandon Hicks. It says Syracuse police officer Brandon Hicks grew up in the south side and associated police presence as a kid with something negative. It goes on to say that he wanted to change that. He joined the force and now he gets out of his car often not to enforce laws, but to engage children in a game of basketball. And it goes on to say, if you beat him in the game of basketball, he'll buy you a pair of sneakers. So he, he out did there. That. He, he did that. He did it. He, he actually did that. Yeah. They showed him on the news, actually at the mall, let the kid pick out his old sneaker and buy them for the kid. Yes, sir. And so we still can't breathe. Namin podcast, episode number one. We talking about policing in the community. And this is what I want to say. I'm going to just read again this first sentence and then I want to tell you how I feel and my observation on policing in the community. It's your boy Q. Once again, Syracuse police officer Brandon Hanks, Hanks grew up in the South Side. Listen to this. An associated police presence as a kid with something negative. He associated police presence as a kid with something negative. Here's my take, my opinion, my observation on policing in the community. The fact of the matter is most of the interactions that the community have with police is negative, negative interactions. And I love to hear the story about Brandon Hanks It's being respected and applauded all throughout Syracuse. Because it's a positive interaction. But I will go so far as to say it's a rare positive interaction. And over and over and over, these little negative interactions, sometimes little and sometimes way worse than little, but little negative interactions add up, add up, add up to create a community that literally is like, yo, I don't care about you or what you stand for. And that's how they view the police. And I applaud Brandon Hicks for, for taking a whole different... Officer Brandon Hicks for taking a whole different approach as a young man and, and, and doing it the way he did it. But for most people, for most people, it's just agitation after agitation after agitation. And we don't separate the police officers from the law that they represent. And a lot of times you got a lot of young men out here angry and mad and broke and they don't care nothing about the law because the law to them is that is that is that officer who coming through speeding down the street 
Driving mad fast for no reason. Ain't even a car down there. Ain't nobody hurt. Ain't nobody need no help. Ain't no crime going on. These are streets that we live on. And you're doing 60 in a residential neighborhood where our, where our kids play. And these, these is the interactions that we have. When I was growing up, you know what police used to do on the regular in the summer? Shoot pit bulls. That's what they used to do. All you used to hear about. Cops shooting a pit bull. Why? That We can't even have dogs out here? You can't. You weren't even invited here. But you show up. Now you threatened by the dog, so you're going to shoot them? These is all negative interactions that lead to an anti-police and anti-law perspective from, from a lot of young a lot of young men. And so I'm, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Crime is a problem in the community, yeah. But policing and negative interaction with the police is also a problem. They, they quick to throw a young man in some handcuffs, quick to throw him in the back of a car for nothing, for the smallest of things. And I'm not telling you something I think. I'm telling you something I experienced. I got through in the back of the car one time because I was dri- riding my bike in the street. I was riding my bike in the street. The cop, the cop grabbed me, put me in the back in cuffs. He cuffed me for riding a bike. So this is the type of things that you deal with and you just say, man, they're not for us. Because I can't even live my life, man. You policing my life. You policing my ability to live. And they don't even call for all of that. And so honestly... And that's it. This is my whole piece and I'm done. I'm going to hand it off to Low, and Low about to give you the real. But my thing is this. The problem with policing in the community is that it's, it's predominantly negative interactions. And a part of that is, is due to the mental health of some of the officers that police in the community. And so until we start to screen these officers more, until these officers are, are their mental health is taken care of and we actually recognize who we're dealing with, um, we, till we have an awareness of, of where they at, where they stand mentally, um, we're going to continue to have the neg- negative interactions that, that snowball into the, the Eric Gardner situations. The negative interactions got to stop, man. Um, and the mental health of the officers got to be addressed. Um, and that's my piece. Lo, what you think, man? Well, I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Brandon Hicks at the barbershop. He go to a local barbershop around in the hood with the black people. And um, I sat and talked to him for probably about 20 minutes. And I know a few of his family members and everything come to find out. And I was letting him know that I admire the work he's doing. Nobody told him to do it. Nobody asked him to do it. That was something he willingly did on his own. Now, the news picked it up on his own. You understand what I'm saying? He's not asking for no promotion, none of that. But I just really want to, you know what I mean? We need more police like that because if you get more police like that, the kids will feel more comfortable. The people will feel more comfortable. Not even just on uh, telling you what's going on in the neighborhood, but we saying police in the neighborhood. We got to police our own neighborhoods. And if we comfortable with the police, we can police our neighborhoods. You understand what I'm saying? No. No? I don't. What you mean by that? Well, if you comfortable with a cop, right? And let's say just like your home, uh, the average drug dealer running around, he don't sell drugs out of his house. He meets you somewhere. He meets you in a certain location because he's showing respect to his house. Got you. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So at the same notion right now, people don't give a fuck about the police because the way they treat us, 
the way they move around us, it's like, shit, I only got so much area I could move in, so I'm going to do what I could do around here. It's more shit going on in the inner city than, you know, than the old police chief. So ain't nothing really changed, but people are starting to realize that from the uh, uh, police brutality and everywhere and just locally and how we get treated just by racially profiling, uh, pulling us over, uh you know, taking it the extra mile off of just uh, running a stop sign or something like that, turning without your blinker, they'll take it, you'll be just sitting there getting interviewed and harassed for 45 minutes an hour, license straight, everything straight, but they want to, hey, you mind if we search and you mind if we do this and you mind if, you, and even if you go through with it, they're going to try their hardest to find something. It's like, if we feel more comfortable with the police, we won't mind talking to the police. Right now, we mind talking to the police. Yeah. Yo, you got anything? If something happened, yo, you know anything? Nope. Yeah. Even if you saw the whole thing. You watch certain shows where it be, uh, you know, these shows are fictional, but it's based on just what can happen. Possibilities. Somebody's opinion on this can happen where a cop is... Uh, patrolling a certain area and something he that cop may get killed guess what they the neighborhood actually tells because they care about that cop they tell what happened you feel what i'm saying but if it would have been a white cop who they didn't have a relationship with or anything they won't say nothing mm. oh that's good for them yeah, 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 it's yeah. about time something happened to them so you know i just feel like in all we got to feel more comfortable with the yeah. police. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Just knowing how people feel around the police when they get behind them or anything. It's just we are taxpaying people. You yeah. should not feel no type of way when they get behind you, especially if you ain't doing nothing. Yeah. But it's hard to say it, you know what I mean, and do it. We can say it all day, but it got to be done. You know, it's funny, too, what you just said. So, uh. I want to say his name was Victor Rios, if I'm not mistaken. He wrote a book called Punished. Okay. Uh, policing the lives of uh, Latino and African-American young men. Right. I think that was the subtitle. Okay. And he said that same thing you just said. He said the whole stop snitching movement is built on the fact that, like, even good people is not going to talk to the police because they recognize that what the police stand for is right. is abusive and, and criminalization of the people. Right. And so you... you so since you filed us, even though I'm a good dude, I'm still not going to help you. Right, right. Old people stay in their house all day, sit out and watch the window, you know. They watch and see a murder happen. And the cops would come and be like, hey, you seen anything? They would be like, nope, I ain't seen nothing. You want to know why? Because they don't trust them. They know in their heart, they don't care. They don't really care. So they just roll on with it. Getting yep, I don't know nothing. It's it's more about, like I said, my main thing is the comfortable. You gotta be comfortable. If you ain't comfortable, it, it, it ain't ain't nothing never gonna change. Kaepernick ain't got a job for kneeling for police brutality. You understand what I'm saying? He don't got a job because they he went to Buffalo, you know, he got five teams offered and Seattle uh, said, is you going to come here? You know, what's your plan when you come here? Is you going to do any kneeling or standing? That It don't even matter. You understand what I'm saying? That's one 
league that don't have into their rule effect that you got to stand. Right. You don't got to stand in the NFL. No, no. That's not in their rule. Okay. That's why Marshawn Lynch know to say, uh, next question. You know why I'm here. Next question. But hold on. Before we before we go further, because you brought up Kaepernick. Right. Like, answer me this. What's the problem with Kaepernick in the kneeling? It, what is the, like, because they, you just said he was protesting police brutality. And right. so we, we know that, right? Right, right. And so, and so, um, he's protesting police brutality. Right. But they made it about the flag. Right. So is it really just the flag? Like the disrespect of the flag in their view that, that is a problem to them? It has nothing to do with police brutality? I'm asking you, like, in the opinion of like mainstream America and white America, is this just about the flag, the Kaepernick thing? No. No. Because he explained about the flag. It wasn't about the, the soldiers or the people in the army or anything. He explained that. He said it was about brutality and uh, uh, justice and all of that. Like right now, they're mad at Jay-Z for taking the deal with NFL. Okay, so if he said it's about the police, then why why couldn't they accept that? Why like What prevented them from being able to say, okay. Because they didn't want. The NFL is predominantly what? I mean, with the players, the players are predominantly what? Okay, so if all of them is kneeling and the whole crowd is standing. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean now? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? If everybody's standing and y'all kneeling and they saying, well, what they kneeling for? Right. Police justice. Who buy them tickets? Yeah. Majority of the people who buy them tickets is what? White, definitely. Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it breaks the story. It breaks the whole dream. It breaks right. the whole because he could go everything. He go from San Fran. He had three players doing it with him. True. Yeah. When he got lost his job, Michael Bennett. It was a bunch of players doing bunch it. bunch of players. So so, so if he problem, go to a team, he may juice all them to feel yeah. the same way he do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the problem ain't necessarily just what Kaepernick was doing. The problem is how it was spreading and just kind of quote unquote ruining the product. Okay, I, I, that's all right. I hear you. Um, you mentioned Jay Z taking the NFL deal. Yeah, what, you got thoughts on that? Ah, I do. Because I think. Wait a second. You about to say what you think? I don't mean to cut you off, but are you able to give an unbiased opinion on Jay Z? Do you have that capability? Yeah, I'm not just going off the simple fact I like him and I like his music and all of that. Yeah, I'm gonna go and off. And you of like his wife. Absolutely, you, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not gonna go off of that. Nope, I'm not gonna go off of that. I'm gonna go off of how I would feel. Okay, go ahead. As now. as being like Cap in Pat Kaepernick position, that meeting he had, I felt Kaepernick should have been there. Okay, when he took that deal, um, because he said in numerous songs, Kaepernick, he was standing right. for Kaepernick, and he also was. Kind of mad that other players like uh, Travis Scott took his deal and Big Boy, they yeah, all did yeah, the he, Super Bowl. He's kind of yeah, mad about that. He judged him for that. He right. judged him publicly. Mm -hmm. So wait a minute, though. So you think if Kaepernick was at that meeting, this whole discussion is different and we're not even. Yeah, because we'll have his opinion. He was the one that was dealing. Jay-Z yeah, yeah. wasn't. Right. He was the one that was talking, though, odd music and all of that for Kaepernick. What's but Kaepernick? OK, so let's talk about this. then. What Kaepernick is doing wrong. It's his marketing. Like, because he's doing a lot of stuff, but he's not really marketing it. Like, if you're going to be, if you're causing a movement, you started a movement in the age of social media, in the age of, like, where's his platform? 
Well, like you, now, your whole platform can't just be Sunday at twelve and at at, at one o'clock and at four o'clock when the games come on. Like you still you still Colin Kaepernick. You started something. Where's your current platform? Can't do it. That's why he took that buddy. He took that buddy. That buddy was shut up. So before you called Jay Z sellout, maybe you. T- well, no, because I feel as well. With Jay-Z, I'm not saying sellout. I'm not, nope, I wouldn't call no, him no, a sellout. No, no, pardon me. I was not saying you call right, Jay-Z a sellout. Right, nope. I meant, no, because, you're not, because you can't call Jay-Z a sellout because right. you're so biased. Right. <laughs> right. That's how you feel. That's how you feel. I'm not biased. Okay. I feel like, bro, you got to be in the room. All, you got to, we got to have somebody in the room to hear these discussions. Right. Somebody got to be in the room. He's in the room. Who was in the room before? Nobody. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Nobody was in the room. Uh, I just seen a, uh, 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 I just seen a picture they had with Martin Luther King with a picture with, I forgot the, a white lady though. But they was calling him, you know, sell out Uncle Tom. He was in the room though. Right. He was able to voice. That's why they wanted to get rid of him because he got in that room and knew what was going on. No, 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 no. We got to knock this off. Malcolm X, the same thing. When he went to Mecca and found out, like, what what we hearing in America and what really is, he's seen black, white, Arab, all different type of people as Muslim. He looked at it totally different. You feel what I'm saying? All right, right, so let's... I want to go back to something. Um, With Jay-Z, right? I honestly feel like until he catches an L, you 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 have to let him do what he do and work how he work because he ain't caught an L yet. Right. He ain't he ain't fumbled the ball yet. Right. So let him work it how he work it. Right. And and truth be told, I'm gonna be I'm gonna keep it hundred with you. Even if at the end of the day he only walk around with, he only ends up with ten more million. I'm still not mad at that. No. I'm not mad at none of it. So. I mean, so that's that. So let's go back. Let's let's circle back because we 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 about to come in for a landing. Okay. So let's talk about policing in the community. Here's my question to you, Kilo. So Kaepernick started a fight, man. He 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 started. Uh, if nothing else, he started a movement where he was bringing awareness to the situations in the inner city and the and the basically the crimes that was being committed against the the citizens of the inner city. He was trying to bring he was trying to highlight police brutality, right? Uh-huh. And and it's and we not like we don't even have to go down this road, but what he was trying to highlight should have been blatantly obvious to everybody. It was young, dead black men, innocent black men from from New York City to Michigan to Ohio to, it just B-more. was everywhere. Be more, thank you. Everywhere, it was rampant, Florida, right? Was Florida, crazy, yeah. um, and so and so. He he tried to start it. It's safe to say that it, it somewhat failed. My question is: reform in police. You uh, think it po- failed? Well, hold on. So let's just say this: we haven't saw, we haven't seen any new laws as a result of it. We haven't seen any new statistics to say that statistically things have changed or improved. So here's my question: before we analyze that, here's my question to you: what is it going to take for there to be some positive change in the in the, either the laws or the statistics as it relates to policing in the community? What is it going to take? Uh, 
Well, let me answer the first question first about Kaepernick. Okay. Let me go to that. Okay. I think it worked because he had a lot going. When he was going, when he was doing all that fighting, Sandra Bland, Eric Gardner, it was a lot of people of Michael Brown, Tavon, yeah. um, uh, Freddie Gray. Yes. A lot of people had died in the hands of the police. Yes, sir. So at that time, he was just like, yo, this can't be going on. And we just out here playing football, like you said, on uh, 12 o'clock on Sunday and 4 o'clock and, and just like letting this slide by. Somebody got to be at the table. He was using his platform, and by him using his platform, they said, no, you not. Not here, you not. That's why LeBron James and all of them used a platform on the ESPN stage that when they yelled that when him, uh, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, and Chris Paul all said that speech, that was letting you know that we can voice our opinion and use our platform about this because this ain't right. Yes, and, I, and the activism of the athletes has definitely we've been seeing it a lot more since right Kaepernick. right so it's ain't been it ain't been as much police killing far as i know as bad as it was when kaepernick was making that stance right, it so- has slimmed down a whole lot far as just being you know like people was dying uh uh uh, uh i can't remember his name uh the guy that Castro, the guy who was with his girlfriend, and they shot him like, this was like blatant, like, what is going on? Yeah, Philando, Philando. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What is going on? The guy who was running away from the cops got shot in his back. It's like, yo, what is going on? And then you get somebody that go in to a Batman movie and just let off. And he get Burger King and McDonald's or pizza. He get to pick what he want to eat. He's going to jail safe, this white man. Guy go up in the gay club and shoot that up. What you want to eat before we get to, like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, he was like, wait a minute. And I see, like, it ain't work how it was supposed to. But... From the meeting that Jay-Z had and they was talking, they spending 200 and something million on just this certain area. Just them saying that, they got to they gotta prove it now. Because you saying the funds is there, we putting it there, and they said that to the media. Absolutely. So now everybody's able to pull this up. Yeah. Yo, you said this. So it worked, but it didn't work. You understand what I'm saying? It didn't work for him. It didn't work in his favor because he ain't got no job. And then he took the hush money. So right. we don't, we're never going to know how much money he got from that deal. We're never going to know. Uh, we're never going to know really, like you said, him really taking a stance now. Because that money was to like be like, okay, fall back. We're going to give you this big amount. And you got to fall back. You can't be running around. So all he doing mostly now was the Nike campaigns. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Right. He kind of fell yeah. back from the police brutality fair enough and you know what and hopefully my hope is that that set like the contract that he signed the settlement that he signed has an expiration date on it where he only has to fall back for five years or something like that and he's just retooling for it's possible so so the story is still being written um and and let me say this though because you you brought something up earlier and i want to i want to touch on it you brought up um the disparities in the uh arrests 
um, and police interactions between uh, black people right. and other races. And so I want right. to touch on that only because um, I just recently, I'm about halfway through that Victor Rios book. And if I'm saying his name wrong, I apologize, but the book is phenomenal. It's called Punished, Policing the Lives of Latino and African-American Young Men. And he talked about that a little bit. He talked about the uh, the criminalization of black and Latino men and how and how what they do is even from the even from public school, they're constantly punishing them, giving them some sort of punitive um, like like just everything in their whole society is follow the rules or be punished, follow the rules or be punished to the point where, um, and they're, and they're punished at a much higher rate. Even at elementary, it doesn't start what you just described about someone getting arrested, a, a, a white teenager getting arrested after shooting up a, a theater versus, um, a black man getting shot for not committing a crime at all. That starts in elementary school. Those things are happening even at that level. Right. And Victor Rios, uh, when he breaks it down, he even goes so far as to talk about it and say what's really happening is, and this is these this is his philosophy and theory and not my own, but what he basically says is, this is all just a ploy to create a villain, as create villains and and criminals out of Latinos and black men so that they can be the scapegoat for bad economies and things of that nature. And the persons behind this, and I'm this is not the, the, this is his theory. The people behind this is the politicians and the media who who um over like overcriminalize black and latino people um for the sake of like creating a villain so that people don't realize hey our life is really messed up because of the policies in DC or something like that. Right. So it's just it's just a theory but it's deep and it talks about society and social and and how society really just is i hate to say it man but say hi to the bad guy they scared though they scared they scared of us you gotta think too they scared of us the guy who killed michael brown said on national tv that man had the strength of hulk hogan 16 17 year old boy i'm pretty i'm not sure about his age but he was a young boy this was a grown man the cop a grown adult Killed this man because he felt that this young man was going to get the upper hand of him. I think we should use, like, the beanbag method because they don't train to shoot in the leg. They don't train to, you know, make you stop. I think the the, the, uh, stun gun and the the zapper and the beanbag gun, that should be more effective because you just basically want to knock them to some pain. You don't want to shoot them and kill them because you think or you thought and it's just a slap on the wrist. Okay, so I'm with you. I love that as a solution, right? Right. But how do we get there? How, like, what what will it take in order for there to be a transition, a transformation in the police? That go back to the beginning, all the way to the beginning of what you said at the beginning of the show. We got to do the mental assessments because we not doing that. We may get we may we may have a cop on the force who's never dealt with a black person. So his interaction is fear from the jump. And he's the law. And he could use that to his advantage. Man, I was scared. He was saying all type of crazy stuff. If you don't if you don't deal with us or like they said, that's what they've been saying 
our grandfather, our grandmother, all of them, what they've been saying to us since the back, since way back, the cops is the people who are getting picked on in school, teased, bullied. Those are the ones that be like, I'm gonna get everybody back. I'm gonna get everybody back. I'm gonna teach everybody a lesson, and especially. When you get into that force and you dealing with them type of people, just like higher learning. Have you ever seen higher learning? It was so long ago, I can't even remember. Well, let me, let me just bring you back to that real, real fast. The guy, Remy, was not a racist, okay. but he bumped into some uh, racist people and they just schooled him onto it right. and put him onto it. And he was able to shoot a black person on the strength of them just running some, just getting to his head. You feel what I'm saying? Yes, sir. He went to school and the black people was like not giving him, no. yo, could you turn the music down? Man, listen, go ahead, man. So when he went to his white people, they like, yeah, that's how they treat you. The only way we could do this is get rid of them. And that got to his head like, you right. And then it didn't take for him till he shot somebody and then realized, oh, that ain't really what it is. And he took his own self out. That's how a lot of them think. Like you said in the beginning, go all the way to the beginning. The mental assessment. If you're not sitting down and realizing, hey, you know, how many how many people you deal with? How many friends you got? Uh, you ever been in a fight? You ever, you know, really dig into their background? I guarantee if you do that right now, a lot of these cops, you'll be like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yo, one thing you made me think when you was just breaking that down, too, is... You talked about how a police officer, all he has to do is say he's afraid and anything he does after that is justified, right? Absolutely. But I bet you, and I don't know, I'm not in the, I might be wrong when I say this, but I bet you a soldier who was in Iraq or Afghanistan, if he just said, wait, I was afraid and I shot, he might not even get away with that. In a war zone. No. He might get court-martialed. Right. Go to jail, uh, get punished, uh, what's that, get AWOL, yeah, all that, because... They treat you totally different, but at the end of the day, that that holds an effect with the police. You can say that. You can say, um, I'm scared. And it it works. But how are you scared when you have the gun, you're the law, you trained for this, you signed up for this. So therefore you can't use that as a defense mechanism as, oh, I was scared, and then the law says, Oh yeah, he was scared. We understand. And slap it on the wrist. Just how just how many people have gotten uh suspension with no pay. That alone, if you look at it, you would be like, this don't make no sense. This don't make no sense. The Freddie Gray people, all of them suspended. Maybe two people got fired, everybody on suspension with no pay. After they dragged this boy out from the behind the house, threw him in the truck, playing on video. Suspension with no pay. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got to say. Now, I mean, it don't make no sense. It's crazy out here. We got we got to figure it out, guys. We really got to figure it out. But I think you said something that I, I honestly never really thought or heard yet, which was the ideal situation is one where maybe we take some of these lethal means out of the hands of the police officers and just give them some non-lethal means, at least immediately, make them have to go to the trunk for the guns. But on their belt, right. carry something that'll, that'll keep somebody alive. Right. Because if you got a beanbag, you could shoot first, ask questions after. Because you just stinging them. You understand what I'm saying? You just knocking them off their feet. You understand what I'm saying? If you feel he got a gun on him, you could run up on him. Bow! But when you're doing that with a live bullet, 
The Trayvon Martin still don't make no sense to me. How he got away with that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but I just he... think we should use simple... I, I watch it all the time. Strike him with a, a zap. Hit him with a bean bag. I guarantee you, that is work. It, it works. It works. I watch it all the time. It works. But the guns, because they're not known to uh, just strike you in the leg or hit you in the arm. You know what I mean? They 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 killing you because they're if they life is on the line, you get rid of him. You don't. And that's their thing. We're scared. Our life is on the line. Why did you do it? My life was on the line. So if you got a beanbag gun, even if you got a hitting three, four times, he's not going to die. Bro, I respect it. I, I, I respect it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't come into this conversation knowing you, knowing that this is where we was going to go with right, it. Right. And I didn't know. But I, I like I love the fact that we ending on some possible ideas for solutions. One, which we already explicitly articulated, which was let's put some non-deadly um, more more non-deadly weapons in the hands of the officers. But a second one, which has been said, you, you might have not caught it, but I want to make sure you understand what we mean is like the training instead of training instead of uh training police officers to be killers why don't we train them to not be so scared so much and then they can go ahead and do their job without killing people but on that note we're gonna go ahead and close it out we appreciate your time you could have been anywhere in the world but you're here with us Namine podcast episode one catch us next time we're gonna be back in about a week don't miss it yeah holla at you